0: Next time you're driving through Redwood City, be sure and stop by one of Embark's newest locations at 1870 Broadway. Embark, the Bay Area's friendliest dispensaries, seven locations in NorCal. Mention this ad for an additional 10% off. All right, welcome back to Smoke and Bridges for episode three. We got another very San Francisco episode to kick us off. Sham Pally here to talk the game of the moment with us. We are very excited. How are you, sir?
1: Doing good. Super happy to be here with you today, for sure.
0: Hal, yeah, uh, you know, Pally is one of the more famed San Francisco growers of his generation. A uh, little bit of a stint outside of town, uh, but as he noted on first smoke of the day. But uh, you know he's been back for a while. He's been crushing for a long time. Uh, a lot, a lot of cool people's favorite grower, uh, and it's been fun. Uh, I've been getting raged in the past couple of years, uh, just watching the perpetual snowball of uh, your your flower continuing to expand, your fashion empire continuing to expand. So like, how how are things at the moment, G? Man, everything has uh, really been—it's uh, been
1: exciting times right now. Just feeling the momentum and all the support and everything, and the love from the community. It's really been a, a, a unique time, you know. And uh, uh, it's always interesting watching—you know—something you've kind of dreamt of and been working towards just come come to fruition. So it's it's really it's really enriching and uh, exciting times for the brand and for myself. And uh, everything that's to come, you know, and uh, I'm just I it's just I, I just can't every day I wake up and I'm just like, man, I can't believe this is all, you know, coming to life. Basically, all, all these interesting, uh, you know, manifestations basically coming to, coming together full circle, whether it's the flower, the new flower or the clothing, like you say, and all these different projects that I have going on. And um, and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been really, really exciting times.
0: No, um, and I think one of the things I've noticed is even though I see your flower on shelves and, and, you know, in killer delivery services, wherever it may be, um, very popular down south as well as up here, um, you're kind of still – even though you've got it going for you, you're in this like perpetual development process on like two different things and you're kind of just like – weaving between the two through the day and I get like a kick out of that shit uh and it's just like so what's what's it like balancing trying to you know the clothes are popping off more too the flowers popping off hard, even though you know you've been a big name forever of course uh but you know the the flowers popping harder in this moment is available to more people right now than it's ever been so how how do you balance those two things yeah
1: so it's been exciting it's 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 definitely trying you know as a small brand and an entrepreneur to be able to like scaling these things up and expanding the brand you know you kind of get to this point where you're like all right it's kind of very you know small it's just you doing things basically and pushing everything forward and pushing your vision forward to the point of where like oh people start to recognize and see what you're doing and want to come on board and want to help and you start to attract and the kind of universe starts to open up these lanes and attract you know different people and uh different uh you know stuff to basically kind of help you, you know, expand in a sense. So I'm slowly attracting the right components and the right people to the brand uh to start scaling things up. So it's been uh it's been interesting, you know. Um in bal- as far as balancing it all goes, it's definitely a challenge, you know, because I do have a lot going on. It's a lot of moving parts with this brand. You know, we have like a music component, I've got the clothing component, and then obviously the cannabis side of things. So it's like each one of those is like its whole world within itself and i've always kind of been this guy who's kind of worn all these hats and stuff and 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 i mean i, I you know i thrive on creating in all these different mediums and spaces But it's like, how do you balance and all? And I'm, you know, learning to try to delegate more and so forth. As a
0: businessman, is it easier to keep the music and fashion in the same bubble kind of in your head as opposed to the cannabis? Because there's just two different, you know what I mean? I feel like there's a little bit more crossover there and just like the business acumen, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it like, do you kind of have to play those two? Is it more so, is it two characters you have to play more so than three just because those two are kind of similar?
1: So it's it's interesting you know so like all of it was kind of like organically fused at one point just from the creative perspective like you know it's like all stuff I was just doing without thinking about it in a way you know initially it's just like all right I'm making some cool clothes thinking of doing that I'm making some cool strains I'm making some music and it all kind of just went hand in hand forever as a brand and then just what I've been doing for you know the most part of my life it's kind of been been that but once you start to break it into the business components like you say it does kind of start to you know compartmentalize and separate things and you have to think about these things in different ways now and approach them differently and obviously handle them differently business-wise yeah, for sure, you, know? you don't
0: want the fact like your weed company can't have a bank account to impact your fashion and all this other stuff you got yeah. going on
1: there's all these yeah it's all this different other stuff that it's like comes into play now um and then trying to balance it all and right now the last couple of years i've been like heavily focused on the cannabis side and the clothing side of it and, uh, moving that all forward. And it, it does, it does, um, yeah, it's, it's, it takes away a little bit from my creative side as far as like the music stuff. Like I haven't had a ton of time to just vibe out as I would in the past and just like spend hours and days at a time in the but it's studio. Part of that, you know? It's
0: part of that because this is the moment you have to do it. There's only one chance. This cha- is right only now. one chance This to, like, is like the it.
1: moment where it's like right now it's like, you know, there's these windows and these tides, so to speak. You, go right? crazy on the you, you can
0: go crazy on GarageBand forever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You might yeah, be only be exactly. able to blow up like a weed company, yeah, want, yeah. like, you know, in the So this that's moment. the
1: thing is like, I've, you know, I've sat for days and years at a time just like in the studio making music, and you'd be like, oh, nothing's really happening, so to speak. You know what I mean? And then, you know, so like when you have the momentum in certain areas in your life and with certain things, you have to seize that moment and go hard, you know? So that's been my focus, has been. The cannabis and the clothing stuff right now, the music has taken a little bit of a backseat. I still like, at the end of the day, I still settle down in my studio and try to like work on some beats or, you know, finish other little music stuff that I have to do. And I have like a couple other major music projects in the works that I'm working on on the side, but it is, it is like a balance, you say. So right now, the focus has been cannabis, uh, has been clothing. Obviously, with cannabis, in a sense, everything takes so much time when you're really doing the work as far as like developing strains, scaling them up, finding the correct partners to that are gonna grow it the way you actually wanna see your strains expressed. And see this stuff done, you know, because it's like I could give a bunch of my genetics to somebody who's not going to do it justice the way it deserves to be grown in its full expression. And it's like I want stuff to be grown and cultivated to where its highest potential so it, it can be expressed correctly and people it'll reflect, you know, what I want people to see of the, you know, of. Of the strain, you know, uh, of the breeding, essentially, you know what, what I mean. What does your, you
0: know, what does your ideal cultivation partner look like? What do you see when you walk in the room?
1: I mean, clean, organized, you know, um, and you know, it just a lot of it is just like finding good people that I want to work with on a daily basis also. So not only people is it just be Yeah, yeah not only is it just cultivation practices, it's also the vibe of the people too. So it's like, do I want to be in bed with these partners, you know? So it's like you're basically giving them all your hard work, uh, you know, something you've created and these strains honestly have the potential to change the game nobody wants to
0: grow triple a with a hater partner yeah
1: yeah 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 or just like weird dynamic or whatever so it's like really so it's a challenge you're not only looking for people who can cultivate correctly you're also looking for people who have the right business practices and are gonna like you're gonna have a vibe with them somebody you want to interact with maybe go you know have some lunch whatever you know and be able to talk or whatever you know just have like a, a you know a good dynamic essentially you know amen
0: Hey man, yeah. yeah. How, so on the subject of genetics, I know you've spent a lot of time on that uh in recent years. What how big is the catalog right now? How many things you're sitting on? How many things you're playing with? What does that look like?
1: I mean, you know, it's a ton of stuff. Over the last couple of years, I've focused heavily on developing our own proprietary menu for Champelly as a brand. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff and it's a big challenge managing it all and scaling it all, you know. So I've had to bring in strategic partners as far as, um, nursery partners. Cause I don't have my own nurse. We don't have our own nursery mm-hmm. at the moment. So I'm having to rely on other people's nurseries and stuff, which is a little bit cumbersome for the moment. And that's going to change here in the future. We're going to actually working on having our own nursery and cultivation, uh, coming up just because I see it as a necessity for the brand and for longevity and sustainability. But, um, as far as the lineup goes, it's just honestly a plethora. I keep, uh, with these phenol hunts, I keep coming up with just, like, amazing stuff that I want to sustain and scale up and bring to the public. Uh So it's, it's endless amounts of, like, really cool stuff coming it's up. Like a like, wide
0: lineup, you know. It's a wide um, lineup for of stuff. Guy, yeah, for sure. For, like, something that you've curated yourself and are, like, kind of handing out for other people to grow. Like, it's a lot of different things. It's
1: a lot of things. And not only that, it's... It's a process. By the time I find it and vet it and get it in to somebody's system, like right now it's like I have to scale it up before I can even get it to people. So it's like once we find something, then we have to start making babies. And it's like kind of a juggle where, you know, my friend, where I have a lot of these genetics at and his nursery, he's got partners. They have other projects going on and clone sales and different stuff. So I'm kind of like, you know, just a corner over there that I'm, you know, uh, you know, basically – Uh, working out of in a sense and I can only scale certain things at a certain time so I'm a bit limited and as like my scalability right now is as far as like scaling a ton of things at once right now I'm having to do like select uh, key things that I want to scale and then keep other things basically on ice until we're ready to scale them also so it's like I'm having to like do things like kind of like a few things at a time, essentially right now. And I'm working towards changing that so I could ramp more and more stuff up. I mean, it's happening. It's just like a slow process, basically, you know?
0: So there's two schools of thought on brand expansion. Uh, right now. One of them is, just like, you see people, like, popping up state to state, just getting boots on the ground, getting it going under these different entities, mechanisms, however they do it. Second school of thought is uh, interstates right around the way. And, like, why leave base camp? Just keep building all my resources here. And when those imaginary lines that divide us are gone and I can flip packs everywhere, I'm going to be sitting on my, my monster fortress ready to flip packs as opposed to having a couple other... Things going on in other places that may not have you know be able to produce at the same quality of the mothership. So, what's your take on this moment? Like, as as you want, like obviously want to take this brand other places. It's huge. Uh, like, are you a guy that's focusing on the mothership and just waiting for the lines to disappear, or are you a guy that's like, I'm going to pop in here. I'm going to pop in here. Like, where do you th- do you think it's close enough politically? Because you know you're uh, you know a, a cool guy. I would love to hear the policy perspective on it. Like, where mm. where you think we're at in that moment? Like, if you had to. Put your, you know, put your chips on something. Which which way do you lean?
1: I mean, honestly, the other day I heard somebody talking and they basically had supposedly the inside scoop. And they're saying a year and a half until federal legalization, you know what I mean, was kind of what I heard. Now, whether that's, you know, accurate or not, it's going to be hard to say. And whether that will lead to like, you know, no borders, so to speak, uh, you know, kind of interstate Uh, commerce for cannabis uh, is still waiting to be seen you know or heard there but I you know right now I have to focus on my home base right at the moment just because I have so many so much stuff that I have to attend to here in a way as a brand but at the same time I am checking out other options too. I am like, I'm getting ready to go to Arizona, you know, um, at the end of the
0: month to go check out
1: some situations now out there. Are you thinking
0: more licensing than infrastructure, or? Just I
1: mean, like- more so licensing, you know, but finding the the right partners that actually can do the brand justice there that I have, you know, QC and I I believe in what they're doing and then also have the right resources to to grow the brand when that time comes, you know, and have the have the network and the vertical alignment to be able to really expand with the brand in these states. So it is a strategic grow as far as that goes, like as far as like picking the right partners and in the right markets that we want to be in. So basically, I'm slowly kind of like, you know, tepidly uh, getting into these states and exploring the options and, and starting to look at it. But while at the same time, our main focus is is at home and, and, and locking down everything that we need to do here in order to make a success, successful expansion, you know?
0: Amen, amen. As you go through these pheno hunts, uh, what are the notes that, like, things that when they stick out to you, you know, like, you're on around too, like, I'll see, we're going to see you again. So,
1: so it's interesting, you know, I... Being around and in the culture so long and doing this cannabis thing and smelling so many different strains from the past that have kind of like long gone and stuff. And I kind of have like, you know, these nuances that stick in my head. And I'm very kind of aromatic and olfactory sort of centered person. So it's like when I smell certain stuff and I mean it like it kind of like, uh, you know, Uh, Links me to the past. I'm able to say, wow, this reminds me of like some real indica or some real Afghani or or, like interesting different sativas and different stuff that takes me back. And I'm, you know, like some of these new crosses that I've been doing, like really, I think a lot of it is like a lot of these new strains are kind of missing certain dynamics. They're not like completely full body. And like when you're able to like connect the right components of a couple different strains with some of these new crosses that i made like all of a sudden you're like wow that is like what a full body kind of smoke is like it has all the dynamics it's complex it's deep it's like got all the like you know a lot of stuff is kind of more one dimensional nowadays so finding those things that are like more complex that really are special Um, and just like, you know, heavy hitting smoke, like where you're like, wow, it's like eating a good meal with like all these great flavors within it, you know, like terps. Um, Those are the things that I gravitate towards that I'm looking for, that I'm breeding for is like stuff that kind of harkens back to the days of old when stuff wasn't quite as monocrop, wasn't quite as watered down in a sense. And like right now is an exciting time. There is a lot of new, interesting breeding and genetics going on right now people are doing great work there's a lot of interesting crosses and i think moving forward we're going to see like a lot of amazing stuff from a lot of these uh, a lot of people and you know
0: what's the jar on your table right now the go-to
1: right now i've got basically you know everybody is hyped on candy right now right so so i was looking to try to make a fusion of like complex candy you know some of the lemon cherries are one-dimensional they're like they smell candy, but they don't really smoke with a ton of punch or like anything like that. So a lot of it is like crossing candies with, say, OGs, you know, or that can- like
0: that Kool-Aid concentrate and gas smell as opposed to, like, a dessert, San Francisco-y dessert weed smell.
1: Exactly. So, and, you know, that comp, adding the complexity of the gas to it just adds more indica sort of back end sort of punch. Like, it gives it more of the punch that I was looking for in, like, say, a good lemon cherry, you know. So, I'm, a lot of the crosses I'm doing are, like, obviously kind of, you know, geared towards the market and my own palate. Like, I want candy. I want, like, gas. So, it's like I'm doing, like, you know, rainbow belts, Skittles, uh sfvs uh stuff like that cross back to candies to try to bring those two worlds together and still give the market what i want but stay true to like finding something that's like a complex smoke and um is like something that i'm actually happy happy with that i could believe in and actually want to smoke myself and and bring to market and be proud of you know so that's kind of the world i'm kind of been dabbling in
0: lately Amen. Amen. What has been the the trick? You know, like you said, you don't have the complete infrastructure build out yet. How tricky is it to hold on to cuts right now just to, like, uh, you know?
1: Well, you know, it is tough. I mean, there's there's the schools of thought of, like, let's do thousands and thousands of seeds. Yeah, yeah. Which, honestly, there is something to that if you have the space and the ability to maintain these things. But, really, I'm doing smaller pops and things like that and and i feel like you get more out of it and you're able to sustain these genetics like what are you going to do ten thousand you do six thousand seeds a thousand seeds like it's hard to digest all that first of all you keep like a thousand
0: you, you keep can't. six thousand moms i mean you know so it's unre- you know? unreal
1: everybody's like flexing on like these huge pops and honestly it comes down to like what you're breeding with and what you're using to make stuff because like a lot of it's just like you're just hunting through trash like heaps of you're going through like a tr- you're going and through. And a lot like... of
0: time you're not looking for an outlier. Yeah. You're looking for those two things you mix together, like a pairing of those things. Yeah. Not some that one in a not that one in a hundred or a thousand that's completely yeah. different for those things. And don't don't get me wrong. A bunch of times those things are fire. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But like people don't go into you know, the breeding project with, like, expecting something completely different from the parents, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I I
1: think it starts with what you're using, what the parents are, you know? And I mean, if you're starting with good stuff, you don't need to do thousands and thousands of seeds in order to find some winners. You can do a few hundred, you know, maybe a thousand or something. But uh, typically I'm focused on smaller, pheno hunts you know what i mean so i can really digest the material and pick the winners and actually then sustain them and scale them up you know I mean, what are you going to do with thousands and thousands of things even if you get you know one you're not going to first of all it's hard to like smoke all that keep it fresh grow it all out scale it up hunt it like it's all it's almost impossible you know a lot of that is a lot of these larger hunts are obviously being done outdoors Um, or in greenhouses. And in that case, you could use it for hash and it's great. And there's different ways of digesting it that way and checking all out. But typically I'm mostly doing indoor cultivation. So I'm having to, you know, more uh, smaller amounts of space that we're working with um, to be able to kind of do these pheno hunts and like pick through and, and get the winners. And I've had like great success with smaller pheno hunts, um, with, you know, very solid lineage to begin with. And I think that's one of the most important things people need to focus on is like, what are you even crossing? Is it even worth crossing? And then, um, and then, you know, and then from there, just you know, picking the winners from smaller batches and then being able to scale them and sustain them. And like you say, keep these moms alive, make clones from them, actually get them to uh, the right partners to cultivate. So that's been like where I've been at and where I'm focused right now is just like smaller pheno hunts and then finding the right cultivation partners to scale them with.
0: Amen. Amen. When you uh, left America for a bit, you kind of left at in the heart of the OG era at the beginning of the purple era, let's say gone for about roughly a decade, right? So you come back, uh, cookies is in full swing. Like mm-hmm. by the time you're back, it's like cookies is all the rage. And OG, mm-hmm. you know, is still a thought. Purple's kind of moved on, but like you know, uh, it was a completely different palette from when you left. What was was that? What was that like coming back to completely new flavors? Like when you finally got home. Yeah, so that's always
1: interesting. You know, uh, cookies obviously is a strain that you know has revolutionized the game has revolutionized a lot of people's genetics whether they know it or not at this point if you realize you know what A lot of these things were crossed with and what's given it cookies added a lot of you know a lot of structure added a lot of interesting complexities um and it was you know it's interesting coming back and seeing that is definitely different you know i mean the cookies kind of harkened back for me to like a really interesting complex kind of gdp sort of vibe you know what i mean in a way but you know og obviously has come in and land all that was, this power. I think that
0: was part of the confusion too yeah. about the the because you know Burner had that Ken's GDP cut and that was what they made the cherry pie with. So mm-hmm. I think that led and you like you know those purple notes like you said. I think so. The, those years of confusion about about what was actually in cookies mm-hmm. was part of the fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, you know, and
1: um, you know, so yeah, just watching that growth of of the cookies and how the phenomena that it created. I mean, it's. It's definitely, a you know, a legendary strain that's changed the game. Um, and, you know, it was interesting to come back to that era. You know, I, I got back uh, to the United States basically in circulation in like 2010. And that's kind of like when I met Berner when he was just kind of like launching everything and getting it all going. So to, to watch his journey and um, – you know, just just in the cookie fam, you know, just just amazing amazing times, honestly, man, and uh, just just stoked to be able to be adjacent to that and, and watch all that. That was and, cool because you know. it was
0: like you got right where you got back, like you were like kind of like the rocket had already taken off a little bit, but you got <laughs> yeah. to watch the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that was exactly it,
1: you know. And I mean, honestly, great takeaways from all that too. You know what I mean? Like, okay, this is the modern, you know the modern, uh, equivalent of like what I did in, you know, the mid nineties and, uh, late nineties in a sense. And so I was able to kind of like pull from those pages and learn from those guys and what they had going on and kind of get back into the mix myself and like figure out like, Oh, well, how am I going to you know, what's going to be my entry back into the game or what do I, you know, what yeah. do I get to bring cra- to the Is table? Is it crazy you
0: know? to have one, like, besides, like, pure breeders, like, dudes that, like, were in their garages in the 80s and 90s, like, yeah. selling seed packs online and, <laughs> like, whatever. Like, you have one of the older brands. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're not an old guy. Like, mm-hmm. you're a fairly young guy. So it must be wild to look on that aspect. And so you kind of, just the fact you were able to rev up this thing that already has its place in the culture and the history and kind of just... Take it to new things with new flavors.
1: You know, it's it's really you know it's I'm excited about it. Honestly, it's really kind of every day is a a new journey in a way with the brand. And uh, you know, I'm blessed and I, I'm I'm thankful that uh, you know honestly, it's like the the people's choice in a way as far as I kind of got put in position by. You know the steps that I took in the past and kind of being cemented in the in the lore and the myth, you know the urban mythology with the brand and everything, and and having being able to put a footprint early, early on um, with Champelli and the champagne and kind of like make a mark with that and brand it and bring it to light and bring it to the public and kind of curate that um, and having that experience and um, and all the history that came with it and all the kind of like. Uh, you know all the all the receipts of the past in a sense, bringing that forward into now and applying it to my brand and the culture now. And like you say, it's a you know I'm I'm still kind of a young a young guy that still still has these attachments to the you know had was able to cement my or you know get my foot on the moon so to speak early on. And, uh, you know, and, and bring that uh, full circle now with bringing the brand back and all these new flavors and everything. And, I, you know, I I, I didn't want to, you know, obviously everybody wants to kind of, you know, relish in the past. And I'm not really trying to rest on my laurels with the champagne and other things I've done in the past. I'm all about, like, bringing forward new things. And Champelli as a brand is just kind of like... The vehicle and the platform now to launch all these new exciting things that are to come for the brand and um, and for the culture ultimately.
0: When would you When would you say the moment you knew you were gonna kind of like not that like not that the brand was in incubation, but when you knew like the like the time was right to kind of put your foot on the gas on a different level. Like, you get back in 2010, you're chilling for a few years, and then obviously, like, there must be, like, that seminal moment. It was kind of like, all right, let's 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 pull the trigger. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so, I mean, it was almost an incubation in a while for a ways there, you know, and just kind of uh, when I got back in 2010, getting back, uh, getting my bearings and getting back on my feet and kind of rebuilding my life here uh, in the United States. Um, and it basically was kind of, you know— You know, I was already thinking about it the whole time. Obviously, it's something that was on my mind, uh, you know, all these years. But ultimately, like, 2016, 17, you know what I mean, is when I started really being like, all right, I got to really, like, start putting it out there. Damn, they really legalized this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, shit, everybody's doing brand. It's out there. I'm like, all right, I can, let me kind of crawl out from the shadows here and start to kind of, like, you know, bring the brand to light and figure out, you know, a way to um, – you know to, to get it back in the mix so to speak
0: so like you know and one of the standout things about your brand of course is a uh, very artistic packaging very cool like how much so is that are like is there any is that stuff you've been sitting on over the years is that stuff that was purely developed for these for these products like how did you come up with like that direction over the time you know i think it's uh you know It's my own just kind of like
1: artistic aesthetic and my own creativity and kind of vision, you know, whether it's a remix of some graphics or some personal vision that I have. Uh, My father was an artist and I grew up around art. And I think that just kind of like, you know kind of disseminator infused my, my vision and my way of looking at life and, and, um, and then in turn the brand and how I decided to kind of, um, kind of uh, message the brand, you know, artistically speaking. Um, so yeah, just, you know, I just I'm kind of just high level art, um, high level kind of street fashion. I'm just kind of like looking for refined, whether it's you know, my refined palate when it comes to cannabis um, or arts or food or clothing. I'm kind of just trying to bring my curated vision and um, all of that to the stage of the brand of Champelli. It's like I want to bring high-level, you know, stuff and uh, quality products and goods and so forth. And just express myself artistically at the same time. So it's a fusion of all that. Like I want to bring, you know, new flavors of cannabis that are at the highest level. I kind of like, and it comes down to like, you know, cannabis, like just like I, I, I'm tuned into like the purest flavors, the highest, like whatever is like I can tell when I taste a flavor, when I'm pheno hunting, I'm like, oh, wow, this is like the best, the 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 most fiery stuff. And I want to I want to bring that, you know to the masses and should be able to share that with people, you know what I mean And that's like for me just basically being you know kind of like uh, cura essentially curating or um, you know, trying to just bring that to to the to the people essentially, my vision in a sense, you know.
0: Who would you say were your biggest like aesthetic influences?
1: So biggest aesthetic influences um, you know obviously the the greats, when it comes to just art in general, you know what i mean, just dating back, you know, thousands, hundreds of years. Uh i mean you could go back to, you know, cave drawings and the pure essence of even that. You know what i mean, going up to uh you know renaissance painters or early, you know, early arts. I mean every culture has a form of like this essence that is like you know, simmered down from the culture, you know, I mean, you could look across the board at any culture and see this high level of like expression, you know, so I always turn to like different cultures, different artists, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Van Gogh or, you know, I mean, I mean, there's tons of different uh, Michelangelo. I mean, obviously, I got to point to a million different artists that have influenced me and stuff like that. Um, But I think in general, it's just like that, you know, I think, I would more so easier to point to like culturally like different things that have come out of different eras and cultures and countries um just as a human expression of just high level human expression of creativity you know what i mean is what my drama inspiration from i think probably you know ultimately i'd have to give credit to that and just being able to tune into that and try to try to like you know i'm just like you know um you know a, a drop in the bucket there but try to do my part to try to elevate the culture in a way you know so like bring high level cannabis clothing and uh, music and, and different stuff in my own way um to the game basically
0: amen and you know you've noted a few times like you're you're shooting for high level stuff uh you know the game isn't perfect at the moment what do you think on this, like, current, you know, part of your brand is how natural it is, how, like, it's, it's how authentic it is, how the history and all that. But there's a lot of people, like, they're trying, trying to kind of force the hat these days, you know what I'm saying? So what's it like watching, you know, these people, like, attempt to ingrain themselves uh, for the sake of the dollar, you know?
1: <laughs> this, that, that right there is a super, super interesting subject and in question and uh, well put Uh, That's exactly what's happening all around. And being, like, somebody who's been, like, organically living and breathing this, like, a part of the whole, you know, ecosphere there, um, it's interesting to see, you know. And, I mean, I don't – it's, you know, everybody's trying to live and do their thing, so I don't pass too harsh of a judgment, so to speak, you know. And, I mean, I kind of give everybody a pass to do their thing and let them – you know essentially you know find their way to express themselves and everybody's doing doing them you know so I don't judge but by the same token like there is some stuff that is just like you know you know ghastly obviously when you see it and you're just like oh this is abhorrent sort of like uh, you know it's hard to hard to swallow or, or take and it's just kind of like you know it's almost uh you know It's kind of a shame in a way or, you know, uh, you know, from coming from where we came from and where the cannabis space has evolved from and, you know, the organicness of it for so many years and what it really stands for dating back to the memorable, you know, the 60s, the 70s. I mean, um, and just what it really truly means of like the plant and bringing people together and community and um, an actual culture to where some of these things are like you say it's just a money grab and a money play and it's there's no authenticity and no nothing to it it's just like styrofoam on a plastic plate getting served up um, you know it's 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 interesting to see it you know what I mean and more more power to them and hope hopefully you know the people that are really truly about this culture and are really have well-meaning and really trying to do it and have love for it. Uh, hopefully they can survive in this space and get a chance and really, you know, you know, it's just like, it's, it's a lot of huge corporate money coming in. I bet. And How
0: many, I bet you've had a
1: few phone calls of people that wanted a piece. Uh, yeah. You know, and I mean, that's like torn, uh, you know, torn between that there has been some good offers and good deals on the table in a way financially, but it also might have slighted the brand and the actual you So know, it says
0: forty nine percent.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you already know. So so that was that uh, that was uh, so so yeah, so I have to like, you know, there's a balance there of trying to I want this this brand to go nationwide and I want it to be big and huge and worldwide, but at the same token I still want it to be, you know, um, you know, keep its core Keep its core key things that you know obviously are close to the brand, the authenticity and the organicness and the realness, and and actually being for the culture and a part of the culture, and and that's something we don't want to lose. So scaling, we want to do it boutiquely and and do it right essentially. So it have to be the right partners, and obviously, you know, um, somebody who shares the vision, vision and sees you know, um, what we're trying to do. So it would have to be obviously done right with the right partners if we were trying to go go big, so to speak.
0: And they're out there. Don't get me wrong. Like, I hear stories of people finding Mr. Right every now and then, but I've heard a lot more stories about Mr. Wrong.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I mean... And, It's interesting because since I started pursuing this, like relaunching the brand, I've had a ton of different conversations with like some of the largest corporations and even MSOs in the country. And it's like I've had to just stay my course and say, you know what? And I'm happy, honestly, that I said no to a lot of these things, you know what I mean? They just weren't right and didn't feel right. Um, and just holding out honestly like you say for Mr. Wright, in a sense will eventually come along who sees the vision and wants to do like a high level there is room for that high level boutique cannabis brand in this space. Ex- just excellent like,
0: starts in your mind but if you're dealing with somebody that's never had that thought in the first place about anything in their life is never going to like turn out that way.
1: That's that's the biggest issue so people really have to be on the same page um, you know so it's like in a way it's like we're trying to be the you know the just to use this analogy, the Chanel or Louis or whatever yeah. of cannabis a in a percent. way, you a know, as far percent. as our flavors and even the clothing and everything. And it's, you know, it's all a work in progress. And like you say, it's hard. Nothing is perfect. It's hard to grow cannabis all the time. That's going to burn perfectly white and taste amazing every time it scale um so it's a, you know it's a challenge for a lot of these brands right now um, you know, i'm
0: always like i'm the first person to say i'm like i'm never gonna judge a brand on one bad run you know yeah, it just is what yeah. it is like people have tough days and uh, i'm always pulling you know you can see people's consistency over time yeah. like you pro- people prove themselves over time and if they do have that that hiccup run so be it
1: yeah yeah that's kind of where it's at and that's you know and you know i struggle with that all the time you know since we've been in the market it's like uh you know there's only the very smallest percentage of actual flour that you know i would actually the after qc say you know this is approved for the bag you know what i mean and uh sometimes like did you ever
0: find yourself having to look, like has there ever been times that there were, weren't Pelly bags just cuz you couldn't find things that you just were willing to put in
1: literally i just i just had to turn down two things uh, that I thought were gonna work. The first, the, 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 the batches before uh, from the cultivator partner were totally great. And I figured they would work for the next bag. And I was like, you know, or for the next batch. Um, and I literally just had to return two things like today where I was like, you know what, these, I had to say no. And it was like to the final steps where it'd gone through metric, it's ready to get bagged and go into the market. And I had to say, you know what, we're gonna have to send this back. And I had to make that call rather than be like, all right, let's make some quick money here. And whatever, and it'll just go without a hiccup, um, I had to say, you know what, this is like not okay. You know what I mean? It's not okay for the brand. And it's tough because it's taking money off the table for the brand and you have to be like, you know, uh, well, we got to wait for this next batch, another three months or whatever, you know? So it is, a, it's, it's a struggle, you know what I mean? And I mean, and you know, once again, white ash isn't everything. You can get something that's flushed, grown, grown totally clean, and it still may burn black, but still taste great and still be a good quality flower. So white ashes and everything, but it does seem to correlate a lot with good flavor and good quality. And um, yeah, and that you know, quali- and
0: that quality is worth an extra thousand dollars once you leave California. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is it d- ever difficult to like shop against these like other expanding markets that want hyper boutique weed and have hyper boutique customers? The Miamis, the New Yorks, like those those you know that upper most upper echelon. Of New York and Miami brokers, the guy that's coming here trying to convince the same guys you're trying to convince, like, to put it in a trap distro so he can take it. You know what I'm saying? Is that that a new element for you in this moment? What's that like?
1: Well, it's interesting because during the pandemic, there was a whole rush of people coming to this market, obviously ready to pay the high for everything. Now everybody's here and they want shit for 1200 bucks and they want it to be smoking. So across the country people are all getting educated about the white ash. So you have some guy come out like from fucking kentucky who's like yo it's not burning white it doesn't have the hash ring you're like what the hell you know this guy just came out of the sticks and is already just like knows what's up or thinks he knows what's up you know what i mean so it is kind is of the like
0: magnesium
1: <laughs> yeah where well, you didn't add enough magnesium to this so like obviously everybody's <laughs> going to be you know working that angle too we're going to have a bunch of magnesium packs here coming up pretty soon of everybody like that's the key Let element drip
0: yeah yeah exactly <laughs>
1: so you know uh, add some sugars add some magnesium so no but it is a it is a challenge now you know what i mean it is more of a challenge um obviously um yeah it's 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 definitely an interesting dynamic the ni- it's all ever changing dynamic in this space as far as like you know the dynamic of california and these other states and obviously you know you have the other side of the shoppers and all this other stuff going on too so it's it's a challenge for brands in general to, you know, get the right product and, um, you know, even locally and and, and and keep that all going, you know. So. Amen.
0: Amen. Uh, I know, you, you know, you don't talk about it too much, um, but I'd love to kind of get your take on your criminal justice activism yeah. in recent years. You're one of the few people actually doing it in the space mm-hmm. that weren't like pretty much anyone in legal cannabis that's doing stuff like that was already doing it like 20 years ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you're one of the fresher faces uh, in the mix on it. You know, Uh, so kind of explain to – explain to folks just so they kind of understand how you personally got intertwined with your activism.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, personally, you know, dating back, you know, I mean, 25, 30 years ago, I was actually – selling cannabis you know in the traditional market to like dennis Perrone, you know back in the day so like kind of being adjacent to his movement and watching what he was doing and then also steve d'angelo across the bridge watching what he was doing in the late 90s um well both of them have obviously a huge hand in what the market is today and the legalization you know um so Kind of obviously being a subject that's close to my heart, legalization, having family members that were affected by the war on drugs and specifically like cannabis. Um, And then myself being kind of a weed war veteran also. It's just a subject that's close to my heart and uh, having friends with family members that have locked up and been watching that over the years and what a toll it takes on people's families and stuff like that. Um, So it has been like one of these things that's close to my heart and wherever I'm able to lend or add a hand uh you know add a, add some help or whatever wherever i'm able to help or anything like that i'm always quick to try to like try to support in that area you know what i mean um one of our more recent sort of things that i was able to do was kind of alley-oop the richard delisi case kind of over to steve d'angelo who basically put it in to the queue with uh, last prisoner project, and that was kind of almost one of their first prisoners that they were able to kind of get released. Um, this is we're talking about. Deservingly, somebody.
0: because he'd done so much time.
1: Yeah, he had a life sentence, had done 32 years already for cannabis, uh, nonviolent offense, and they were able to kind of like put the pressure on. I feel like even though they won't admit that that had any, you know, bearing on him getting released. Basically, with after bringing it up to them and then putting their lawyers on it a year later, he was basically released. And I flew out to Florida to watch him walk out of those gates. Um, so it was a real powerful thing. Um, his son, actually being a friend of mine for almost 25 years, when I left the country and went to Amsterdam, I actually got to um, – Kind of He re, him, he and his family received me there in Amsterdam, and I stayed with them some time when I went overseas. And we always talked about, like, hey, how are we going to get your dad out of jail? And it, this it was this thing, this gnawing sort of thing, that elephant in the room that we were like, man, it was unjust, and we knew it wasn't right, and we, he didn't want him to, like, die in jail, you know? So we always kind of plotted on, like, how can we get him out? And as soon as I, like, saw Steve, like, making the push with the Last Prisoner Project and stuff like that, that's when I knew like there was a connection there and I kind of alley-ooped that. And that was my kind of like my contribution to like, you know, try to help push that along, you know? So um, obviously um, there's so many more cases and people that are obviously locked up right now um, that their stories go unheard that need need help, you know what I mean? That need their story heard, you know?
0: Do you think like the bad business of the last couple years – uh, Post Prop sixty four has taken away from like the criminal justice debate. Even though fourteen thousand less people in California go to jail every year than pre twenty sixteen, it's like everyone's just so hurt about what happened to the small farmer and you know mega farms and what you know that it's kind of like taken like that. Fresh those frustrations of legal cannabis have taken away from the wins of the criminal justice parts of it.
1: Yeah, I feel like you know a lot of I mean honestly. You know, with legalization and, you know, everything that is going on, positive things that's going on, I think it has taken away from, like you say, the still some of the reform that needs to be done, uh, some of these people that we still need to get out of jail. Um and, and it is kind of been a bit of a distraction, so I think that we still need to, there's still a lot of work to be done and we still need to focus still on um, a lot of these issues. Um, is it
0: surprising to you at all that it's not like this conversation isn't just that you hear it more? Like, like yeah, uh, be, just like the pack price, you know what yeah, I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it's one of those things, honestly it, it is, it's, it's kind of like overshadowed by the humdrum and you know the busyness of the just the money side of it and just you know uh, all of that like when honestly it needs to be a larger conversation um and everybody who part you know you know is benefiting from it and not only just participates or is even involved in this culture should be concerned that there's people still locked up in jail for you know for weed i mean even today you know In California, there's people being locked up for weed for, you know, uh, egregious amounts of time. Even now, um, it's still happening even here, and we just don't hear about it, and it kind of gets glazed over. So it is one of those things that we should be up in arms, being that it's a state that's benefiting so heavily from taxes um, from this plant and the culture that's been built around it uh, for them to kind of, you know, step in and obviously monetize but it is like, you know, this issue still exists of people being, you know, um, locked up over this over this thing, you know?
0: Amen. Amen. So um, over the last few years, we've seen like the infrastructure for Bay Area cannabis businesses, cannabis businesses have been devastated uh, in Oakland, SF. Do you think that as things kind of progress even further and the snowball keeps rolling down the hill, uh, some of the municipalities in the Bay may have kind of burnt their golden ticket. Like even though they were well positioned just in the process of maybe, you know, being a little too tight with the leash or wanting to fill the coffers a little too heavy, they kind of messed up what could have been something special. And now you see these killers in SAC and going up to Sonoma, stuff like that.
1: Well, it's interesting. Yeah. SAC is definitely flourishing, but California has a way of Killing off small businesses and opportunities here, in a sense, you know what I mean. Unfortunately, uh, stuff gets overregulated, overtaxed, um, you know, and there's a there's a fine line and a balance with that sort of stuff. Obviously, you know, the state needs to control stuff to a degree. The municipalities need to control stuff to a degree, but it's gone, like, to the point where it's, you know, it's a chokehold and a stranglehold on a lot of these small businesses that, that are just struggling to keep afloat, obviously. And it goes, you know, not only within cannabis, it's within a lot of, within a lot of stuff. You know, the barrier is, like, very, you know, kind of like, um, you know. It's underwater in a sense, in a lot of ways right now. Whether it's real estate or cannabis or whatever, but uh, cannabis is definitely suffering. People need to have, there has to be some sort of relief in a way for all these people that have poured their their livelihoods into trying to make this a a a, a business and basically doing a service. For the community, in a sense, and they're, you know, they're basically, um, you know, overtaxed and overburdened with stuff, and not enough support, whether it's from. You know the services, or you know even law enforcement, as far as yeah, protecting, that's trying to say like, a the, thousand p- percent protecting these places. We're talking or, about you know.
0: these nonviolent offenders in cages. What about these dudes rolling up to the dispensary with AKs? Yeah, yeah, sure, ten you know. guys
1: are out here with AKs, pulling up to dispensaries. I mean, just the other day, one of one of these places I know, there's uh, six guys all with guns, just trying to get in outside. I had a I mean, car like, drive
0: through the dispensary
1: last week. Yeah, I mean, Twice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, Yeah. So that's, you know, there's definitely got to be a little bit of a reassessment here. If we want this to be an industry, a functioning industry, you know, there's going to have to come to terms with like, you know, we're not regulated or taxed as heavily as like wine or cigarettes or any of this stuff in a way. I don't think so. Um has got to be a reassessment and like kind of it needs to something needs to happen basically for well, sure.
0: What are your, what are your favorite things about still being a San Francisco guy?
1: You know, I mean, obviously it's hard. You know, people are like why are you still in San Francisco, right? And I'm trying to like hold it down and be like stay true to the, you know, to the my soil here and um you know, obviously San Francisco for as much as it's changed, it still has you know, a certain essence that I'm holding on to in a way, you know. Um, you know, obviously the food, there's still some culture thriving and people here, even though, you know, uh gentrification has kind of leveled a lot of the original communities that have been here and there's been so much. And then the
0: gentrifiers left during the pandemic. And now, the gentrifiers and now those, are, those yeah, people yeah. can't afford to come back. They got I know. kicked
1: out. <laughs> I know, I know. So it's it's a, it's a interesting times here in San Francisco. I still kind of like – I'm like, all right, don't bet against San Francisco. I'm still trying to, you know, hunker down here and, like, make a business and make a life here and and try to, you know, represent for the Bay Area in California and, uh, you know, San Francisco, of course, and the natives all here and, um, you know. It's um it's tough times honestly here in San Francisco right now. So it's um
0: but there is all still the more, more important th- that people
1: care. Yeah, all the more more all, all the more important that people care and um and I believe in this city and I believe in its people and uh, you know after visiting New York and watching how much you know, it's kind of almost like you go there and it's almost like more of a togetherness feel like everybody's like the city is like a a thriving sort of ecosystem and entity here. It's kind of more broken. You feel the brokenness. You don't feel like that togetherness and that everybody's like on the same, you know, page and moving forward. And, um, and hopefully, you know, that can be mended a little more here with time and, and people can get back to like, you know, um, you know, growing this this city and uh, the culture here and so forth.
0: Amen. Amen. What, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're about to call it a wrap. What uh, should people keep an eye out for? What are you most excited about that you want folks to check out?
1: Yeah, so obviously we're in the rec market and all the dispensaries. Uh, we've got gummies dropping. We've got a ton of different flour. Obviously, Champelli.co is where you can find. It has a store locator. Um, So you can find dispensaries nearby you that will carry our product. Not only that, Champelli.co has all the clothing stuff on there and i am always got new and interesting drops, whether it's one-off pieces, cut and sew pieces. We do focus on trying to be uh, more sustainable as far as our uh, clothing goes, using organic cottons or upcycled fabrics where possible. I've got a lot of cut and sew and one-off pieces coming and, and just interesting stuff. So definitely if you're all about the fashion or cannabis, champelli.co is a good gateway to like keep you know on the pulse of what's going on with the brand there as far as that go. And then just straight Champelli on Instagram if you did want to follow us there um, and keep up with the br- what th- what the brand is doing and stuff, you know?
0: Word, word. Well we super appreciate you, champion. Smoking bridges episode three was awesome. Uh special shout outs to our sponsors at Embark, D Tie Gummies and the Cannabis Media Council. Appreciate you all. And uh, we'll look forward to the next one. Have a good one everyone. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Detai Gummies. I love this gummy, Uh, it's solventless, and it tastes like a fruit market in Thailand. Big ups to our homies over at the Cannabis Media Council, working very hard to, to point the compass in the right direction for the mainstream media when it comes to cannabis. God bless them, we appreciate their support and uh, we we are excited to share this episode with you.